to be honest, I think I just enjoy the challenge. I enjoy uh, I enjoy playing. So I'm a very uh, tough competitor. I don't really get down on myself. I try and you know, it's it's a cliche, but I try and you know stay in it. You know, I fight. Um, I think I just do that really well. I wouldn't say that there's something that I do that's you know out of the ordinary. You know, which you know makes me special. But I think I just really. Uh, I think I'm a good competitor, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. That, of course, was the voice of young Garrick Hiku, the new superstar on the international golf stage. Of course, South Africans knew about him. Now the Americans do too. In only his second ever start in a PGA Tour event, of course, the first one was a major, the PGA Championship. A couple of weeks back, he went on and won the thing, taking place at Congaree, he finished at 11 under, finishing one clear of uh, a host of players. Vegas, Redmond, Hatton, Swafford, Van Pelt, and Hadley. It was a sensational performance, and it was his third victory in six starts and uh, his fourth victory in nine months. Of course, he won three on the Euro Tour, went over to the States, and uh, went on to win the Palmetto Championship. Uh, incredible performance, and that on the eve of the U.S. Open. Full disclosure, this episode was recorded a, a couple of days ago. We were going to do the entire intro as normal, myself and Ty, and then Garrick went and shook everything up, and we couldn't start the show without him. So, uh, unfortunately, Ty is over at the Kruger, so I'm joined by a very special co-host for the start of the show, uh, a man... Who represents an organization who pretty much gave Garrick his start in life. Golf RSA, the unified body of the SA Golf Association and Women's Golf SA, administrating, operating and providing service to amateur golf in South Africa. And very much one of the reasons, probably one of the key reasons, why Garrick Hiku is doing so well on the international stage. Very glad to welcome on the line the CEO of Golf RSA, Grant Hepburn, Grant, what a performance by young Garrick. Hi, Derek. Thanks. Yes, it was. I mean, it's it's a remarkable story. I, th- I think that, um, you know, we always expected great things from Garrick. He was such a good amateur, such a strong number one for us um, for some time. But to have achieved what he's done in such a short space of time uh, is is really quite remarkable. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see where he goes to from here what really amazed me about his performance over at Congaree was how he kept his head above the water while everyone else around him was drowning figuratively speaking uh we looked uh, going into the final day and chess and hadley had that massive lead garrick started more than six shots back and i, I was looking at uh, highlights again today and just reflecting back i mean you looked at the leaderboard at the start of the day and that first page Garrick wasn't even there. That's how far down the list he was. Yet uh, he managed to pull off a, a three under 68, which isn't remarkable in itself, but given the fact that everyone else just kind of capitulated. I mean, those last closing holes, that up and down on 17, I mean, that that will be spoken about for ages. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there's so many people are saying that that Garrick's short game is is absolutely incredible, and it and it is, and you know it's something he's he's always had a, a strong short game. Um, being someone that's always had great distance off the tee, not always being as accurate as he needed to be, 
I think that as a junior, his short game, you know, needed to carry him at times. But, you know, his whole game right now is is really, really world-class. I mean, if you look at the fact that his driving is is long and pretty straight, his short game saves him when it when he needs to be saved. And I think that he has an amazing strength in that he recognizes that you won't always hit the ball perfectly and you are going to have those difficult days. And if you just knuckle down and do do what you can on every single shot, give your best on every shot and try and hang around like you did, um, the next thing you're in the hunt and then it's a, it's a whole new ball game. It's a different story. Once you're in the hunt, anything can happen. I think it's important that you just keep your hopes alive. And, and for me, that's something that he's really learned to do very, very well. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why at the end there, he was in contention. A short game once again came to the fore when it needed to. And he recognizes that as, you know, being part of the process. It's not a matter of, oh, no, I'm hitting the ball badly today. How am I going to get through this? It's, well, I have that part of, a, of my game that's going to that's going to need to step up now, and I'll do that. So he has an amazing attitude that which goes with his, with his talent. You know, I think what he also does well is he listens to the advice from the the top players around him and the South Africans that are helping him, you know, whether it's Charles or Ernie or, or Louis, or I know that Gary players talks to him a lot. Um, and I think he's a very good listener. And he takes things on board that he believes he can use. I, I struggle to remember a period where South African golf has been in a healthier state and not just from a playing point of view, but an administrative point of view as well. And you look at the stars just uh, aligning and, and reflective in, in Garrick's performance over in, in South Carolina. And, and it's interesting you mentioned that about the South Africans. In fact, uh, I was just looking at a comment now on a very prevalent WhatsApp group that I'm on. It's uh, all about golf, and uh, there's a couple of uh, PJ Tour and Sunshine Tour players on there. And a couple of the foreigners were saying, it's amazing how the South Africans tend to to rally together. It's not about being insular or being in cliques, but they support each other. And it is amazing to see. You, you, you can see it. It's reflective in, in Garrick's performance playing alongside Wilco. You speak about Gary Player on the buzzer term all the time. The tweets that came through immediately after his performance from the likes of Ernie Els, Louis, Schwal, the works. South Africans, they stick together and they, they perform together. They do, Derek. I think that's you know one of the great strengths of our of our golfers over the years is that they've always done that. Um, you know, one of the things from a golf or a say perspective, we had so many years of fantastic structures in our sport. You know, starting with Women's Golf South Africa and the South African Golf Associations, and um, when Golf or say was formed. We were fortunate enough to to get a, a donation from Mr. Rupert that allowed us to formulate a squad for the first time so you know to have a men's and a women's amateur squad which other countries had been doing for a number of years was hugely helpful mostly because we could then take the players over to Europe and to America and let them perform in a squad environment we could get extra expertise and to help them and expose them to the world stage which we weren't really able to do regularly before so I think that you know that's really been the, the cherry on the cake of what was already fantastic structures in place. Lots of amazing work done by volunteers at golf unions around the country and at clubs. Um, and so, you know, the, the national squad perspective has just allowed us to elevate the players to the next level. And 
I think if, you know, it was probably five or six years ago, I was asked at the Dunhill links in Scotland, you know, when is the next batch coming through? And I said, then it would probably be in about five years time because, Ah. you know, the likes of Sam Simpson and, and Jaden Shaper and Casey Jarvis, um, these guys, Wilco, I remember seeing Wilco, he was 13 years old on the first tier at Milton. That was around about then, five or six years ago. So, um, and here they are, here's the new batch. And <clears throat> I can tell you that there are some amazing youngsters that are still amateur. Um, Christian Burke the other day is one of our amateurs in the squad, won a, won a big easy tournament. So. Casey Jarvis has won a few IGT tournaments against the pros. So we have amazing youngsters, Eurof Premel, who's, I think Eurof's now 17. He made the cut to the SA Open at the age of 15. So we are blessed with incredible players. There's Kaylin McNabb, you know, representing the ladies. She's just won as an amateur on the, on the women's professional tour. So what an amazing time it is for, for golf in our country. Um, and it's you know, it's just so exciting to watch these players. And it's nice that there's not just one or two. There's a whole group of them and they're, they're pushing each other. They're learning from each other. You know, there's a bunch of amateurs right now that have played against Garrick and are backing themselves saying, well, I know that I could beat Garrick. I have done in the past. So if he can do that, then I can do it. And I'm pretty sure that Wilco's looking at him now and saying, wow, that could have been me this week. So I think it's fantastic because they support each other. The better they do, the better it is for the others. And, um, you know, just show, they show each other that it can be done. And I think that's fantastic. Bit of a loaded question, but what are you guys and ladies at Golf RSA doing right? Because daily we hear in the media about how sporting organizations around South Africa are falling foul administratively, losing funds, they're just falling short, there's chaos in the boardrooms. Yet, when it comes to golf in South Africa, Golf RSA is seen as this, this shining beacon of hope where, where it's always used as comparati- uh, comparisons where, whereby, well, if only we could be like, or if only they could be like Golf RSA. It, it, what is the secret? I, I don't want you to reveal too much, but uh, how, how do you do it? Derek, I think it's, um, I know that Mr. Rupert always talks about transparency. Um, I think transparency is important. We are, you know, that's the basis upon which we run things. But on top of that, whether you look at the Sunshine Tour or whether you look at Golf RSA, um, every one of those people on those boards add value. um, And none of them are paid to do so. It's all voluntary. Um, We're fortunate enough to be able to call on the expertise of people that have um, administrative and business sense. They give of their time freely. Um, and that kind of adds into the whole ethos of, of what got golf to be successful in the first place, the volunteers, whether it be the nomads or the people that are volunteering in the unions and running those union golf tournaments, which the youngsters come through before they get to um, the national level. I think all of those structures have been in place for a long time and and through Golf RSA, we've managed to professionalize those structures and, and make them better and more streamlined. But I think there's great value in having um, real sound business advice, um, people that aren't being paid to be that are, that are sitting there for the love of the game um, and offering their expertise to us. So I know that that gives me great comfort um, sitting in the seat that I do. 
and um, and I know it's the same for for the Sunshine Tour, who you work extremely closely with. So the relationship between the amateur and professional body is is very very close. It's a tight fit, and um, a lot of the people that that sit on those boards basically all they really want to do is see things done right, and and they make sure that that's what happens. So I think that that really has goes a long way to to the success of what we've been able to do so far. Well, full credit to you on uh, doing an astounding job. Now, we can edit this out if it's for non-disclosure, but I've got to ask, you, you mentioned Mr. Rupert, and I've just been privy to a voice note that's going around. I, I don't know if you've heard it too, regarding how Garrick ended up uh, playing at uh, the tournament this past weekend. Yeah, it's a fascinating story. I've, I have heard that, that voice note, and I can tell you that very soon after Garrick got the invite, um, he did call me to explain to me what had happened, um, pretty much precisely as it says in the voice note. So I think it's wonderful that, that Gareth, Garrick got in there, and, and um, you know, as, as Mr. Rupert says, um, maybe maybe he could win this thing. He's good enough to win it, and and lo and behold, here here we are. A few days later, he has won it. Um, he is the real deal, um, as is Wilco. And I think for Wilco to finish so high up there in fourteenth place, if if it hadn't been for what Garrick did, everyone would be talking about Wilco's mm. week because it also was an amazing week to finish in the top fifteen in the world. And there's an amazing article written just the other day. Um, and Golf Digest, someone followed him, I think, in the second round, talking about what an impressive play he is and, and the, the sheer length and distance that he hits the ball um, pretty accurately as well. And saying, you know, that someone like DeChambeau really has to jump out of his shoes to, to hit the ball those distances. And Wilco um, just through amazing speed, um, and it almost looks like he's cruising through the ball, He's hitting it further than DeChambeau. In fact, he's the longest player in the world right now. So, um, And he's still young. He's still growing. He's still getting stronger. Um, and he's still learning a lot about his game. You know, both, both of these guys, Garrick and Wilker, are brand new to the professional ranks. So it's just amazing to watch. And it's so exciting to see how they're developing. So just for the uninitiated, uh, the voice note clarifying that uh, the organisers were, were very keen on getting Wilco to participate at the tournament over in South Carolina. And they got players confused and they ended up inviting Garrick Hiku. So he ended up getting there uh, by mistake and went on to win. Yeah, what a story. I, he, um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a friend of Mr. Rupert's who, who owns and runs the tournament. So he's, he's someone that plays in the downhill links every year. So we know him from there. Um, and with, you know, with Wilco just recently winning uh, at Die Data and um, everyone been excited about him getting an exemption into the US Open. Uh, that request came through for him to get through. And, and they thought when they said we, we'd like this hot South African to play in the tournament, they thought, well, it must be Garrick. So Garrick got in. And then they said, no, we mean the other hot South Africans. So, but I think to be honest, there's right now, there's a, you need to be quite specific when you say the, the hot young South African <laughs> yeah. golfer. I mean, we've, we're spoiled for choice. So, we laughed about that because, you know, there really are some some incredible young players. Jaden Shaper, who almost won the Dunhill Championship uh, at the end of last year, is another spectacular talent that I think we'll be hearing a lot more of very soon. Just uh, wrapping up, uh, just continuing about that performance from Garrick. Uh, I mean, he's he sent for life now, but regardless, 
particularly when it comes to the PGA. Of course, winning three times in Europe, no mean feat, extraordinary given his age, and then immediately over to the USA. And in doing so, grabbing his uh, PGA Tour card for, for the next three years. I mean, we, we look at someone like uh, Zalatoris. I mean, he doesn't even have a PGA Tour card. Yeah, I think it's someone said it this morning. It's a life-changing win. Um, you know, I think Garrick is someone that's wanted to play full-time on the PGA Tour. I mean, well, who doesn't these days? I mean, it's such an amazing tour. Um, you know, the greatest players in the world. And obviously, the, the money is, 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 is better there than anywhere else. So, it's the right place to play. I think that, you know, with Garrick having spent some time at college in America, not a lot of time, but some time over there, America is a place that suits him. Um, and now that he's got three years in front of him, a runway to really launch his career, I think it's going to be, um, you know, it's just amazing to watch what he can do in those three years without having the pressure of having to get a card. And he can basically just plan his life now. He can plan where he wants to play, what makes the most sense to him, where, you know, he can play where his strengths are, whether it's in Europe or in America. And it's going to be fascinating to see how that, how that rolls out. I loved the interview with him immediately afterwards. I was sitting in the online press conference and he was asked, you know, what, what does the future hold? Of course, are, are you going to take the PGA Tour card? I mean, that was a, a fairly silly question. Of course he would. But he said, you know, that doesn't mean I'm abandoning Europe and South Africa. He said uh, Europe, European Tour very much got the eye on the prize there with the race to Dubai. And also, he said, the Sunshine Tour, he goes, they got me to where I am right now. He goes, how can I abandon my home country? Yeah, I did hear that, and it's it's um, it's so nice that he still recognizes where he came from, as do so many of our players, and and that the fact that they give back is really important to a small country like ours. What the Sunshine Tour does um, is is fantastic. You know, they give these guys an opportunity to compete, um, and if you win locally, that opens doors up for you internationally. So, it really is a fantastic you know, breeding ground of great talent for us. So, and for us to be able to, as an amateur body, have the Sunshine Tour right on our doorstep, which our players can can feed into is, is uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a great advantage to have that and to have that really close working relationship with the Sunshine Tour. So we're able to talk about top players that are, that are ready to turn pro and, and help them along with that process. So, um, it really is very useful for us. It's an amazing job that the Sunshine Tour do as well. Finally, I know it's been well publicized, but it, it's worth just reflecting on Garrick's performance, having overcome the tragedy that he experienced at a, a very young age with, with the loss of his father in a, in a car accident. Yeah, you know, I, I think I can't imagine what that must be like. Um, and to see, you know, how Garrick has handled that, I know that he has. Um, a very close family and very good relationship there. So he's, you know, through those family bonds and those, those ties um, and the difficult times they've been through. It's just amazing that it's, you know, it's, it's standing him in good stead now. He has a, a very close family and a, and a good team around him as well. He's got his coach, Cliffy Barnard, that's, that deserves a lot of credit as well. So I think a lot of our South African players have that, that strong family background and, and that's really important when you're out there on your own. One question that was posed in one of the many last night uh, during the, the press conference was about that, the, the bond that he has with his family. And one of the questions asked was, was your, your dad a very good golfer? And, and this is what Garrick had to say. He just played social golf. 
Um, he was a very good cricketer. He was six foot ten, I think, so he was really, really big. Um, my uncle is like six foot eleven. Um, so uh, yeah, we're a big family. I'm not that big. Uh, <laughs> my brother is very big though. Um, but yeah, my dad just played socially. Um, I mean, my earliest memories would just be when I was really, really little. I would just go with him. I just really loved golf. I just loved going with him. Um, it was kind of our thing. My brother kind of went with as well, but he wasn't really that interested, which I think is good. We kind of, me, my brother, my sister have our own things um, that we, you know, do well, and uh, we support each other in, you know, in that respect, you know, yeah. Amazing to hear. Uh, a massive family guy through and through. In fact, uh, the immediate interview afterwards that he did on the broadcast, he, he said, I love my family, <laughs> which was really, really cool to hear. But uh, yeah, a new superstar has been unleashed onto the world. Europe knew it. South Africa, of course, knew it. And now the States know it too. It is Garrick Hiku. And uh, what do you reckon his chances are like uh, heading into Tory Pines, Grant? Well, the, the streak is on. I wouldn't put anything past him. I, I, I think that you have to believe that uh, once again, he's going to do whatever he can to to put himself in a good position. Um, and if he's in the hunt, we all know now he's not going to go away. So anything can happen. If he's having a good week, if he still has the, the energy after you know all the excitement of the last few weeks and all the wins, I think it's difficult to to remain that focused and that concentrated when so much is going on in your life. Can you imagine what it's like off the course for him? He must be inundated with requests to do various things and to keep your focus um, and intensity for weeks and weeks at a time, like he's been doing lately, will be difficult. But when you're playing as well as he is and you've got such a strong mind like he has, I really think that... um, there's no telling what he could do. He's, he could definitely win this week. There's no doubt about it. Um, he's that good. Um, he's on a hot streak. And I think that he's someone that likes to ride those hot streaks. He's not someone that's going to think, oh, well, I think that's enough for me now. Um, I don't have to win this one or I'll sit back. I don't believe he'll sit back. So let's see what happens. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I cannot wait. Can he make it two and two over in the States? Don't bet against it. The new superstar of the golfing world, Gary Kiku. Grant Eppin, it's been so great having you on the show. Thanks for joining us last minute and being uh, my new improved co-host. Tile hate to, to hear that, but uh, we'll catch up very, very soon. And congratulations on the tremendous work you and uh, Golf RSA on doing uh, and continue to fly the flag very high and uh, keep on producing those superstars. Hi, this is Dean Bannister, and you're listening to Raider Golf with Derek and Ty. Welcome back to Raider Golf with Derek and Ty, and a very special guest. Uh, We are joined by pretty much golfing royalty. He's arguably one of the hottest properties when it comes to golf coaches uh, the world over, if not the hottest property at the moment. And uh, yeah, we're very privileged to have on the line all the way from the States, Mr. Grant Fienstra. Grant, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Ty and Derek. It's uh, lovely to be on the show. No, it's absolute pleasure. Believe you me. So, Grant, you're over at the States. I think you got over there a couple of days ago. What brings you stateside? So, yeah, I left on uh, Wednesday evening and I've uh, 
flew into Orlando to meet up with Christian Basadinat. So uh, we've got the US Open next week in San Diego, Torrey Pines, which we're looking forward to. So we're starting like a little bit of a prep before we get there so that you know most of our work is done and that we can just uh, try and uh, get a game plan for a US Open style course. Yeah, and we go into this on the back of uh, the, the last major, the PGA Championship, a couple of weeks ago, where Christian really, really stood out. Uh, going into that final day uh, of the top three South Africans, you must have been mightily impressed with uh, his efforts uh, over there. Yeah, no, I am. Look, I mean, obviously, this is uh, literally our, our, our first year over here. You know, we, we don't know the golf courses that well. Um, we're learning them as we go, but uh, I am. You know, it's a golf course that was quite tricky. A lot of crosswinds around Kiwa Islands, and uh, you know, he loved the golf course, and he did. He did pretty well. You know, he got unfortunate on a couple of bad breaks in that in that final round, but uh, you know, I'm still proud of him for for doing what he did. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. And uh, you know, Christian obviously he goes. He came into this on the back of the double European Tour win, and of course, winning the SA Open. Uh, obviously, thus far in his career, that is the highlight. It must have been something special to be part of and, and to watch him just really lead from, from start to finish in that SA Open and never really looked in doubt. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I agree with you. It was, uh, you know, all the hard work that we've put in over the last two and a half years and that, you know, to watch him come down there and, and play the way, like, you know, that was that was all the hard craft that we had put in. So, it was very nice and to watch and, you know, I said to him that he can play anywhere in the world. You know, if you can do it around Sun City, you know, you can do it around Leopard Creek. Those are tough golf courses and uh, he really has proven, you know, in the majors and that he doesn't really miss a lot of cuts. We might have not finished where we wanted to finish, but, uh, you know, at least we're moving in the right direction. How does preparation uh, go for a time? Well, I was going to say, you've now got another uh, another week now and, and I think Derek was probably going to go there. Uh, nah. You obviously can't be with Christian all the time because you coach other players. You've got to be around the world. Uh, you know, you, you've got to offer support to to the likes of Nicole, and you've got to be back here at Ibotsi to also coach your your everyday John guests. Uh, how does it work in, in providing consistent support to a, a pro, a top fifty pro in the world like Christian? So, yeah, it's actually quite a good question. You know, I don't treat Christian any differently to what I teach a BG golfer back home in, in, you know, in our academy, which stands for beginner golfers and that. You know, I've got uh, three other staff members that, you know, that obviously assist me. Um, but it's a program that we've built up for each individual player and uh, each individual player knows what he needs to do. He receives a maintenance bay and he see, receives skills tests and pressure tests that he has to clock in with, with myself and other coaches, which, you know, all that data is recorded. And at the end of the day, the player, you know, we're there to guide the player. Um, you know, we can do the technical side to to a certain extent, but that player needs to carry on. And uh, we just monitor those programs. So that's why, you know, we can, I can be mobile and that. And, you know, Christian also knows that once I'm not here, then he's got to stick with his program. You know, it's the same as Dean Burmaster back home at the moment. You know, he's come off a, off a good streak and um, he's following his program back home. He's got his skills test that he needs to check in with me and he's doing it daily. And, you know, that's all I can ask for for my player. So that's actually... How we run our business, and um, we find it's been quite effective. Grant, talk us through a a week in preparation for a, a US Open or any major for that matter. You said you you arrived a couple of days ago. You join up with Christian, and obviously it's all systems go towards Tory Pines, and it's eyes on the prize, trying to secure his first ever major. And I mean, how much time do you spend together? 
Is it a lot of practice? In and out, in and out. Is it repetition? Um, do you take a little bit of a break away from him, or is it just nonstop until he gets off that tee on the on on in round one at Torrey Pines? Yeah, look, I mean, what we do is we set out uh, a maintenance bay. So he's got his maintenance bay that we'll follow. We'll obviously have a look at the golf course. You know, I'll have a look and see, you know, what type of shots are required. And then we'll try and implement that into his practice. But at the moment, you know, he just follows his maintenance bay. Obviously, when I'm here, you know, it's a lot more in-depth. I can, you know, see, feel, hear and touch type of thing. So, you know, I can I can really get into it. Um, and then we just focus on his short game. You know, we make sure that his pitching is quite on. We make sure his numbers are right. And then the big thing is to be able to drive the ball, you know, in any of these majors and that Augusta and that you can still maybe slightly get away with it. But the rest of the majors and that you can't really, I mean, the graph is up next week at the US Open. The golf course has been lengthened a fraction. So, you know, for us at the 300 mark yard drives, you know, we've got to hit a lot more fairways and that. So we've got to try and keep it around the 60%. If we can, 65%, then we will be in good in a good uh, position. So, you know, that's all we have to focus on. We just try and stick to, you know, what we've been done, what we've been doing. We don't try and make the tournament any bigger than what it actually is. You know, we just go out there and go do what we need to go and do. From a personal point of view, Grant, w- what makes you so different when it comes to being a golf coach? Because we mentioned the names. It's a veritable who's who of South African golf, golfing royalty. You mentioned Dean Burmester. Of course, we're speaking Chris John, Jaden Schaefer, Caitlin McNabb, the list goes on and on. Also a good friend of ours, Matthew Merton. Not quite in that list in terms of talent, <laughs> but uh, certainly in that list. Well, he's coming on. He's he, getting better. He is. He is. He actually beat uh, Ty in our Raider Golf match play a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, you're, yeah, your coaching certainly paying off when it comes to his skills. But what do you think sets you apart from the rest? Why are you so highly sought after? And uh, I mean, I, I know the reason is because you, you certainly get results and the players get results, but but why is that? Yeah, look, I think to be honest, I missed a lot of cuts when I was younger. <laughs> so I've, I've had all the hardships and that. I mean, I understand, I, you know, I played the game. I wouldn't say at a very high level, but I mean, I managed to, to sneak into a British Open and, and get the feeling there. And that's when I knew, you know, I knew when I was there that, you know, I was completely out of my depth. Um and, I, you know, my whole career, like, I was always the guy that was helping other players and that. And I had a pretty good junior career and amateur career. So, from all the different perspectives, I've got a good idea. Um, you know, I'm open to learning. I spend a lot of time with older coaches as well, you know, to try and learn and, and put my little experiences and that and that what I've gone through into. But, uh, you know, I'm quite strict with my players. And I don't think, you know, maybe sometimes other coaches and that are not as strict because maybe they don't want to lose that client. But in my case, I don't really care. You know what I mean? You either do it or or you leave type of thing. So, but which, you know, most of my players have bought into and I've developed, you know, great relationships, you know, also away from the game as well. And, you know, understand them as a human being and, and their families and, and all of that. So I think that's, you know, that's, you know, golf is just a small part of it. You know, coaching the technical side, I always say that's the easy part of my job. It's to, it's to deal with the rest. So how do you make that player tick when he gets to a certain situation, you know, you know, you know, a guy like, let's say, for instance, a guy like Christian Bassan that might look easy when he walks into a major and then a guy like Burmy, he might be a little bit jittery, whatever, you know, and it's two different, dealing with two different players. But, you know, they're both unbelievable players and, you know, they both can perform, you know, for Burmy, coming off a long stretch, you know, what he did and then go to America, you know, and make the cut there at Kiwa Islands and that is just, you know, good, you know, I know he didn't finish where he wanted to finish, but, you know, at least that block was ticked. So, yeah, I'm, I'm keep on at my place the whole time. I don't let them slip away. 
Grant, uh, in your coaching style, what would you what would you say is? Do you look at a player and and just try and improve their swing, or do you have a, a set picture of what a swing should look like for different body builds? I mean, how, how do you approach when you get a BG golfer there? So a BG mm. would be someone like Derek, um, very very beginner, hundred <laughs> percent. He wants to throw shade my way first. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, what do you do? What do you do when you start the journey with someone? Do you just watch them hit and then try and fix their faults, or do you try and get them to almost reconstruct the swing? No, look, I mean, we try and refine it. I mean, it obviously depends on what state it is, you know, if it's how bad it is. But I mean, to give you an example, you know, three years ago when Christian Bassano came to me and he said to me, listen, you know, I've got 100,000 euros up on the board. My game feels like it's stagnated. You know, what can we do to, to get this better? And anyway, long story short, after a couple of brandies in the bar on that first night, the second day we went out and he literally hit 60 shanks. And... I had an assistant at that time that said, came to me into my office. He was quite a humorous guy, Drikus van der Valt. And he said to me, you know, that you're the only, only person that can mess this up from here on in. And I said to him, you know what? There's one thing I've always taught you, stick to your basics. And that's what I do. So in terms of a golf swing and that, I've obviously got certain positions that I really do want to get a play into because I know that those positions can, they can perform in the long run. So, but basically on everybody's height is a different formula. Um, and we obviously just look at those areas and we just try and push the players into those areas. And you know, over the years, I've learned, you know, what drills work the fastest and that. And, you know, we try and stick to those drills. So, you know, some people might label me with certain drills and that. But, you know, at the end of the day, maybe they should try it because it gets the results. What is... Yeah, that's been... Sorry, Derek. That's been something that's been quite clear chatting to Matt Merton um, is that it's, it's not about 40 hours with Grant. It's about an hour with Grant and then 40 hours of practice and then an hour with Grant and 40 hours of a drill again. Um, yes. And, and obviously that's what you're looking to buy into. I mean, have you had any players over the years, and you don't have to name them obviously, but who haven't bought into that work ethic that you look for where you've just said, let's go our separate ways? Yeah, yeah. No, look, I mean, if I don't feel it, it, it is what it is. You know, I, I tell the person immediately. You know, that's one thing I do. So I, I believe a lot in energy. And when I'm standing there with a the player, I'll be able to feel it. But if a player is going to waste my time and he's not going to do it, you know, I always say to the player, I don't want to spend, my, my goal with the player is to get him into a maintenance bay and be able to spend 30 minutes a day on the range and then go do skills tests and pressure tests and then go play golf course. Because I always say to my players, we're never going to win trophies on the range. You know, I don't want us to be standing there for long hours. So, when, when they come in and they're really in ICU and they, their swings are really bad, then, you know, then, then the maintenance play on the drive range is going to probably be about an hour to hour and a half. But it's our goal to get that play into half an hour to 45 minutes and then from there on move on and then go do your skills tests and your special tests and then go play golf and go and see, you know, what the ball flights are doing on the golf course and shot patterns and X, Y, Z. So those are the areas. But yeah, in, in getting back to, I, I must be honest, I haven't had many players, but there have been, a few players, a couple of players that I've had to say, listen, I don't think this is going to work out. I think we, you know, we're a little bit too strict for you. Grant, I suppose it's all relative to the player that you're coaching. But just off the top of your head, what is the, the toughest thing when it comes, the toughest aspect of coaching a golfer? And, and, and let's split it down the middle in terms of a professional and a complete amateur. So, uh, yeah, what do, you, what do you find the most difficult so I, I find, okay, let's start off with the professional golfers. I mean, obviously, professional golfers in that, you know, it's costing them a lot of money every single week and the pressure is quite high, you know, whether they've got families back home or whatever the case may be. So so the technical side is one part of it, but dealing with a person and a player's 
emotional side is quite quite tough. And that's where, you know, where I design these programs for these players so that when we do get into those situations, that takes care of that. So it almost like puts the player at ease that, you know, we're not searching. Because, I mean, that's the worst part. It's very easy for a coach to go down the searching line. And getting back to, like, amateur golf and that dealing with a professional, I mean, with a, with a newbie, you know, so I feel some coaches and that are feel, we call them feel-good coaches. You know, as long as the player's hitting the ball well, they feel good. And and as I say, we, you know, in our academy and that, we don't know how to do that. We start at point one and we work our way through and it depends how long you want to last there with us. So, yes, if, you, if you're if really poor and you've got a you know bad technique and that, yes, it's going to take you between 10 and, 10 and 20 lessons and that to get it right, unfortunately. But, you know, at least then you've got it for the rest of your life. And, uh, you know, we just stick by those rules. Uh, I'm definitely asking from a personal perspective. Are there some people that can never play golf? They just can't do it? Yeah, I think, I mean, if it's, you know, I don't believe in the word can't. I mean, I think if everybody tries, you know, they eventually can, you know, play to their best part of what they can achieve. So, you know, I do think that everybody can play. It's just, you know, obviously it depends on what level they want to play at. I, you know, you speak about people who, who are good. And, and of course, that definitely comes to golfers themselves. But there's a, another realm of sportsmen who, and ladies, who, who certainly thrive when it comes to matters on the golf course. And those are, are cricketers. And I understand that yeah. there, there are quite a few that have, have come to you for their tutelage. And if I'm not mistaken, very, very close friends with uh, one Jacques Cullis. Yes, yeah, Jacques, um, obviously after his retirement and that, and, you know, he's taken a massive liking to golf and, you know, he's become a great golfer. He's, you know, he, he spends a bit of time on his game and he works quite hard. You know, I think it was about a week ago, he flew up to Joburg for two days and we did some work and that's so why we played some golf. And, you know, you know, Jacques, a, he's a great, he's a great mid-hand player. You know, I think I, I've told him he needs to go and play with his guys and he can add a lot of value and he's, uh, he's a great ball striker. He still hits a ball at decent length. Um you know, obviously, the, you know, we just need to keep on refining his short game. But, yeah, he's he's a great player. I think he, I think he's actually playing off a scratch now. I, I was about to ask, what is he playing off? And, I mean, there, there's always talk. We know he was one of the greatest cricketers to have ever lived. No doubt to the best cricketer South Africa has ever produced. Uh, any chances of him going professional on the seniors tour? Could you see it happening? Nah. No, he won't go. Look, I mean, I think he's he, he spent a lot of time away from his family and that. And now that he's got his, you know, new family with his wife, Charlene, and his newborn, Joshua, and that he wants to spend a bit of time and watch his son grow up and that. So I said to him, you know, there's no point going there. Play some, play some really top mid-am golf and that and play some league for your club and, and enjoy the game. You know, go play all the golf courses where you are clubbed, uh, where you're Andre members, you know, he's an Andre <laughs> member out at Lepp Creek and that. And I said, go and try and win all the club champs and that. So uh, he'll just be focusing on that. Of course, there's that famous story when it comes to Leopard Creek uh, when he got his first ever double century against India and his celebration was a golf shot uh, because that came from Mr. Rupert saying that the day that you get the double 10 because everyone was waiting, when's he going to get this monkey off his back? And he finally did it and uh, he got that honorary membership at uh, one of the greatest golf courses in the world. Yeah, no, that's 100%. And, uh, you know, we, we, we spend a bit of time out there. We've made some good friends over there. Um, Mr. Rupert has obviously put, you know, golf on the map in South Africa and that, so we support him quite a lot and uh, it's just a, a really special place for us. Just touching on that, you speak about South Africa and, I mean, can you remember, I mean, it's it's been a long time since South Africa has had this healthy 
a, a significant yeah. uh, plethora of, of players uh, when it comes yes. to golf uh, in the, on the international arena. Uh, a great article came out the other day on golf.com. I'm sure you read about it, speaking about how it was amazing, how, how many so, so many players were, were playing in the PGA Championship from SA. And, of course, we saw that leaderboard going into the final day, the top uh, couple littered with SA flags. Uh, and, jeez, it could not be healthy at the moment. No, exactly. I think, uh, you know, obviously, you got to start off at the grassroots. I mean, golf RSA do a splendid job. I mean, we've got SA kids and US kids for the babies. You know, I just think all in, you know, we can play golf 12, you know, 12 months of the year. I mean, our golf courses are pretty strong around South Africa and that. Um, you know, we've got some good coaches around South Africa as well. So, you know, golf is in a very, very good place at the moment. I see golf. I mean, obviously, I'm in retail as well. So I see golf is on a on a serious high at the moment. So it's so, it's so nice to see and it's so great to see. Know all these South Africans playing all around the world, competing and always up there, which is brilliant to see for our country. Garrick Hiku, got to speak about him. He looks like a good player. He looks like a nice kid. I've asked a couple of my players that have spent some time with him, you know, how easy and they like him a lot. So just, you know, it's another great golf RSA achievement. And, uh, you know, it's just brilliant to see. Yeah, we're wrapping up. I know you briefly touched, touched on your professional career. I do know that uh, during uh, your career, you had a, quite a significant victory. It, it, was it a stroke play championship against Louis Ursaisen? Yeah, I played against him in the SA Amateur, but it was the semifinals, unfortunately. I lost in the finals against uh, Rousseau Lopesha. Yeah. But myself and Louis, you know, obviously we're still good friends in that. And we, uh, you know, we, we, he, still, he still can't let that one go. I said to him, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the, the semifinals of the SA it's a uh, match play, no problem. You give me the British Open. It's perfect. It's a great swap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll so, take the, yeah. The, the, the old claret jug in a heartbeat. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that, yeah. That, is, that is phenomenal. And, uh, and, and just from for folks that want to join uh, the Grand Fiesta Academy, uh, what do they need to do? I know you, you answered Ibotsia, a great friend of the show. Uh, is uh, the, the staff at Ibotsi. In fact, we, we gave away a, a round not too long ago and we featured in episode one uh, when the Sunshine Tour was over there. A, a great, great course. And uh, you you based there? Yes, I'm based there. I mean, I've been out at Ibotsi now for almost 10 years. So it's, yeah, it's one of a, it's a very special place to me. It's basically the home of the Grand French Golf Academy where we started. Uh, got great members, great golf course, inland links, proud ourselves on our greens. So, yeah, so that's where you can find me. Um, as I said, I've got three assistant staff members there that are trained daily by me. Um, they're all for part of our program. So, yeah, we've, we've got a healthy team there. Always ask this question to many of our guests. Got to ask, who would your dream form will be and on what course would you play, given that you played uh, in pretty much around the world, uh, including yourself, name your other three dream players, and they've got to be professional golfers. So anyone in the sporting field, put it that way. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, and Ernie Els. Oh. Those are my three. Those are my three tops. So. And what course? Augusta. <laughs> I went to Augusta for the first time this year. I just couldn't believe it. Was I it was your first time this year? Away. It was my first time this year. You know, obviously, I, as a as a boy, you know, growing up in that, you've always wanted to play there, and you've had a certain image of what it looked like. But when I got there, I was like, it's not fair that I can be the only person out of my family and that should be uh, witnessing this. I mean, it's just absolutely, it's unbelievable. So that would be my golf course for sure. And I've got to ask, what, what was the vibe like following Hideki's win? Massive victory for Japan. Yeah, no, that was just amazing. I mean, that last, obviously that last image with it, with his caddy, you know, bowing, you know, it's just absolutely goosebumps. 
So, I mean, the golf course was magnificent. The crowd was magnificent. I mean, you know, we know that, you know, the crowd was limited, obviously. So the golf course is built like in like a bowl type of situation. So, you know, the rules weren't as loud in that, but it was enough still to experience a great experience. Just finishing off with another major, uh, looking ahead to the US Open, taking away your boys. Who yes. else would you back going uh, into Torrey Pines? Well, you know, I, I go according to stats. I mean, you know, he's he's probably not my favorite human being, but, you know, <laughs> I think he's a great golfer. He's um, Patrick Reed. He won the Travelers there. So, you know, he's I think he's got a, probably a, a good chance. Um, you know, Louis Westhausen, he's done well in majors as well. Um, but my big horse will probably be somebody that hits it quite far and putts well. I think John Rahm is, I don't know if he can play, I'm not sure on his COVID situation, but he would be a good one. Yeah, how, how devastating was that with uh, the last tournament getting pulled with a six-stroke <laughs> lead? No, that's enough to make you cry. I mean, if you're playing that well, I mean, I know that golf course quite well as well. And I mean, that's just ridiculous. He was running away with the field to come off that. I don't know. And he, I think he dealt with it in the best possible way as well. So it just shows you he's a true professional. And of course, the nice thing we can look forward to as well over at the US Open, it's a tournament where which he's won before in uh, Brooks Kepka, And the rivalry continues uh, between him and Bryson. Yeah, no, look, I'm keen to see what's going on. I've got my own beliefs about it. I think it's a, I think it's done. I think the two agents have come together and they've, they're knocking on the door on this $40 million that's away for this, uh, you know, publicity and, and obviously social media and that. But uh, let's see what, where it goes to. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's where the game should be. But anyway, let's see what these two guys get up to. Uh, of course, I mentioned uh, Brooks having won the US Open. Uh, Bryson goes in as the defending champion. So, yeah, it's all to exactly. play for. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll be certainly rooting for the South Africans, especially uh, one Christian Besaden note. Uh, Grant, it's oh, been you. amazing having you on the show. Really uh, oh, uh, 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 lovely to catch up. And we can't wait to get out to Botsi and uh, see your methods in action. And if the listeners want to do so, all you do is head over to Botsi and uh, go join the Grant Fienstra Academy. You won't be sorry. The proof is in the pudding. I mean, look at the players all around the world succeeding and reaching heights that they'd never dreamed of. All thanks to Mr. Fienstra. Grant, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, this is Richard Maspero, and you're listening to Raider Golf with Derek and Ty. A couple of years back, we saw the book The Sunshine Boys published a, uh, a, a really great collection of some great history on the Sunshine Tour. And, you know, we, we saw at the PGA Championship 11 South Africans in the field. We currently have nine in the top 10 in the world. Uh, you know, South African golf is great. It's in a great place. And the reason why we know all about it at a time where media is maybe getting um, – an unfair uh, beating stick in the tennis world. It's definitely not in the golfing world. And one of those, one of those, well, both of these men fit into that. But one of those, when I was, as I was a young man following golf that I read religiously was the man, Dan Retief. Dan, welcome uh, to the show. And uh, yeah, it's a great honor for us to have you here. Yes. Hi, uh, Tyron and Derek. Uh, good morning. Um, congratulations on your victory at Serengeti. <laughs> I'm pleased you didn't bring down aer- any aeroplanes while you were there. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Dan, when we were speaking about Serengeti not too long ago over on social media, 
And someone responded and they said, uh, do you know, because it's a Jack Nicholas designed course. And someone came, they said, oh, do you know how, how they actually came up with the name Serengeti? It's because when Jack came down and he was busy looking at the design of the course, he saw the planes flying overhead and he said, ooh, the planes of Africa. It's got to be Serengeti. It's <laughs> <laughs> crap, though. It's not, not a true story. but, but no, it's, no, it's, yeah, I was going to say it's incredibly imaginative for a professional golf. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, brilliant stuff. <laughs> oh, no, but Dan, it's, it's, it's great to have you on board. And uh, you're not alone as our guest because there's another man, a man who's uh, also been uh, writing golf for, for many, many years, uh, one of the best in the business, undoubtedly, and also very involved with the Sunshine Tour. And uh, he's been a great friend of ours uh, the last couple of months in, in, in helping our uh, broadcasts uh, at the various events uh, throughout South Africa. Michael Vlismus, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Derek. Thanks, Ty. Great to great to be with you and uh, and to join Dan as well. Also, also, man, I read a lot of uh, when I was uh, a junior coming through the ranks and uh, and admired and uh, yeah and and yeah to echo Dan. Congratulations on that win. But I suppose uh, the true test of any golfer: can you win away from home? You got to take this on the road now. <laughs> no, true. Well, I know. I know how well you boys know Serengeti. <laughs> well, today I'm I'm actually I'm actually on my way to Benoni Country Club, which, funny enough, is Ty's home course. Uh, unfortunately, he won't oh, yeah. be there. Uh, so that theoretically will be away from home. But then tomorrow, it's the true test because then we're going over across the Yuxke and we're taking on Silver Lakes. So. Um, that I hear Jeepers. is, uh, I think you actually chatted to me the other day about Silver Lakes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Silver Lakes. I played a lot of golf at Silver Lakes. Really enjoyed it. As I mentioned that, uh, if I remember correctly, that 12th hole just always had my number. Continually wanting to take on that, that flag, as the mm. Americans say, cut hard against the water and always paying the price with my, uh, power fade <laughs> <laughs> speaking of which Michael obviously it's been great to to have the sunshine tour back and uh, we we just recently finished the the co-sanctioned really cool co-sanctioned uh, uh, trio of events with the challenge tour and it also really nice to get three South African winners in those three events uh, you must be pretty pleased with how things have gone with the sunshine tour so far since the restart I think it's been phenomenal. You know, I think uh, I, I think South African golf as a collective has has just done superbly through the most challenging times uh, certainly I've ever seen golf face, and 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 the way the, the entire family of South African golf has has navigated uncharted territory has been amazing. And from a sunshine tier perspective, you know. The, the, the pros will always tell you they just they just want opportunities and 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 the tour does its utmost to give them those opportunities. You mentioned that the, the the three challenge tour events, um, three South Africans winning, and uh, and that's what that's what we really do so well is you know when you've got the talent, you, you need the opportunities, and we we have the talent in this country, and and we we also do really well in giving them the opportunities. We we give them the platforms, we open that door just a little bit for them. They kick it down and they go on further to 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 the bigger stages and 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 I think you know that's that's what we've seen again with with three challenge tour events and the opportunities they've provided. What we also saw is with Vilko winning the Diadata Pro Am, he moved to the top of the Sunshine Tour Order of Merit, and this gives him a qualification into the U.S. Open. Dan, um, you must be pretty 
excited to see Vilko in action at the US Open. A man who, who drives it like Bryson DeChambeau, but uh, looks far more comfortable in doing so. Yeah, uh, Wilco is a is a wonderful talent, um, and he, as you say, he does it with this beautiful, wide, rhythmical swing, and he just launches the ball into to, to orbit, and uh, and he conducts himself extremely well, and is is really good to look at uh, on the golf course compared to Deshambo, who who can be a, a bit of a thug, I would think. You know, he's uh, he doesn't have the charm of a Wilco. Uh, I just hope that at some stage they they remember not to talk about Wilco's length of the tee and talk more about his ability as a golfer because uh, in the long run in golf, it's not how far you hit it. It's what score you put on the board. Uh, but I was chuffed to see he was into the US Open, one more of our players into the US Open. You know, Christian, the same notes there already. Gary Higgo's there. Obviously, Louis does well and, and, and manages to qualify. So, uh, you know, as, as always, the rainbow flag um, appears on the, on the entry list of these majors and... Uh, and this time around, hopefully high up on the leaderboard. Um, and I must tell you, going into the next one, uh, Torrey Pines is a bit of home territory for Phil, for Phil Mickelson. So he might be right in the mix again. I just going to say, it's also interesting. What this did, what many people forget is, is last year, uh, Phil didn't make the US Open. He missed out and he didn't get an invite and he was actually quite bleak about it. And now what he's got is he's got an invite for the next five years for all the majors. Yeah, made. and uh, sorry, I, uh, we bring Michael in now too because they, Michael really knows the history. But but Phil, it's the one he hasn't won. You know, he's at six second places. So for him to get the Grand Slam, he needs a U.S. Open. Uh, and having proven that he can win the PGA, and now he's going back to Torrey Pines, where he's won three different times. And he grew up in San, Di- San Diego, you know, so he's right at home on, on the golf course. And an interesting fact is that on the 16th of June, which is the day before the tournament starts, he turns 51. Uh, so, you know, could he do back-to-back and, uh, and just sort of celebrate his birthday with the one that's missing? You, you, you speak about that, Dan, and, and Mike, I'm going to bring you in. Uh, I mean, famously, Phil has continued to go on about the fact that he's always missed out on the, on the US Open. And many people thought it, it's the one that, that you'd never achieve. But now on the back of, of what he achieved over at the PGA, of course, it's very much in the offing once again. And what are your feelings on the US Open? I absolutely love it. I know we've spoken about how traditionally it is the toughest. I think back at Chambers Bay, where it was almost impossible. Brandon Grace did very well there. Tory Pines is going to be a beast as always, but especially when it's hosting a US Open. Yes, you know, and 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 I think you know, Phil Mickelson, you know, you'd be silly not to, to to want him to complete that Grand Slam. I feel because you know, you look at you look at who else is in the running for that, and you see Rory McIlroy's in the running, and uh, you know, Jordan Spieth is in the running, but you kind of feel that. In the hierarchy of of golf, you want you want to Phil Mickelson first in that club to add to add to that club. So you know it would be it would be a wonderful achievement um, for him. And and I think I saw that you know also going back to the PJ, wasn't it fantastic? As I said that the uh, the for the first time the senior PJ champion is younger than the current PJ champion, <laughs> and uh, you know so he is. He's playing phenomenal golf, and uh, and 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 as Dan said, you know this is this is home territory for him at Torrey Pines, and uh, and and I do love a U.S. Open. I, I I I and I think it is it is of course it's set up for a certain type of golfer, and you look at 
at at the type of golfer that does well at a US Open and it is exactly that golfer that makes you know if 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 you're not if you're winning majors by not making mistakes you're winning majors by not making even less fewer mistakes at a US Open than in other majors and 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 you're doing so also by understanding um be going easy on yourself knowing you will make these mistakes and you're not going to play the golf you play every single week out there and uh, so you know that's why you 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 see a Ratif Khurson winning two majors it's guys that can really grind and just keep going forward um interestingly enough Louis Wirstazen's best record in majors is at the US Open he's got four top 10s at the US Open of all the majors apart from obviously he's winning the open so so you know again it's that kind of mindset and you can really go quite deep into it and think you know these are you know louis a guy that 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 struggled growing up as well um had to make a lot of things happen for himself you know built built furniture made furniture in mossel bay um beds chairs tables so that he could get some some money to pay to get to tournaments as amateur tournaments and things like that before he got the support from the Ernie and Fan Court Foundation. So so you know US Open really fits the overall character of a golfer that's that's just got, you know, guts, character and can just keep pushing forward. And and you've got to feel at this particular time in his life, Phil Mickelson has, has shown he's got he's got a well of experience. He's got quite a quite a few guts as well quite a lot in the guts department as well and he's got the game so it would be lovely to see him contend there again if it's not a south african of course <laughs> there are going to be some cool stories probably centermost is if the us open give everybody their dream and pair brooks kepka and bryson deshambo mike what do you, what do you think of what's going on between those two <laughs> childhood best friends <laughs> <laughs> the proper besties on tour at the moment absolutely <laughs> very tight those two yeah you know i think it's fun and it's interesting for golf and uh, you know all sport loves a little rivalry um and uh, and you know this one is is more a outside the ropes rivalry than an inside the ropes it feels like but uh, but but yeah you know I, I, there was a time I'll be honest there was a time when uh, uh, you know if you look at the two characters uh, Bryson DeChambeau has, has, has done something completely different he's, he's rattled the cage of a few pros who've tried to do the same and, and realised that's not the way it works for him and, and good luck to him it's not the only way to play golf thankfully and, and that's the beauty of this game um, you know some are, some are going to like it some are going to hate it Um in terms of uh, Brooks Kepka, uh, you know, in the you know when when Brooks really started to to step up at, at major championship level and 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 make it look so easy, I was very intrigued and and I quite enjoyed his indifference to to the whole thing. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm getting a little bit jaded in terms of. He, he seems to roll his eyes at everything at the moment and just seems to be a little bit, you know, I'm above all of this. And, and I don't know how much longer that's going to work in his favour. Um, you know, uh, you know he, he, he's playing the golf and, and great, but it, 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 it does seem to get a – there might be a little bit of an irritating factor in the sense, certainly just, just for me, just to see – that he just seems to to be a little bit so indifferent of everything at the moment. Whereas a Dustin Johnson, it's almost charming his indifference in the game, and it and you know 
with with Brooks, it's it, there's a there's a very hard edge to it. And uh, and 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 good luck if it keeps on working. Maybe he's the modern day Ben Hogan, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I don't know how much longer he, he he's going to feel he can pull that off out there. Yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic because I mean, obviously, sitting watching the PGA, I I've never been the biggest Brooks fan, and I found that when people try to big up the rivalry with uh, Rory, he was quite dismissive and at times almost disrespectful. Dismissive. That's that's the word. Yes. Yeah, and. And even when Phil won, you, you could see uh, guys were standing around waiting to congratulate Phil. Brooks was like, nah, there's your scorecard. Um, so very, very, very dismissive. Bryson, Bryson seems to be, you know, he brings the entertainment factor. I, I'm not a Bryson DeChambeau fan, but I am intrigued by him. I, I sat up watching uh, the Arnold Palmer just to see if he could drive it over the river. And I was as pumped as everyone else when he did. And he still only got the birdie. I mean, of course, I was more pumped by Lee Westwood going crazy when he just drove it straight down the middle of the fairway on the right. But, um, <laughs> Dan, bringing you back in there, uh, like, where do, where do you sit on the, the Brooks and Bryson debate? Is it is it good for golf? Is it a bit childish? Or, man, let's have some more of this because the tour is too buddy-buddy. Yeah, there is. Uh, you do need characters, there's no doubt. Uh, and the tour has become a bit bland. Uh, all over the world, it's become a bit bland and they sort of miss the characters. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you about Brooks Kepta. He's an uncharming sort of character, but that's who he is. And funny enough, he's well suited to a U.S. Open because he can keep the ball in play. And that, that, is, that is often key to a U.S. Open because they let the rough go. Uh, and that's his kind of course. Whereas uh, Shambo makes mistakes further along and further out. and He might not be able to rescue his ball. I have to add that uh, I, uh, you know, I, I didn't... Uh, Find that I was really attracted to Bryson Shambo. Uh, he seemed arrogant and that sort of thing. But what he's done is admirable. I mean, he, he sat down, he, he's called the scientists, he had a look at the game, he worked out what he thought uh, could be a winning package. Uh, he bulked up and he decided what to do was to hit the ball even further and hit it past all the trouble and, and then just hack the ball on and, and carry on from there. And with that approach, uh, he won a US Open. He is a major champion. So I admire him for that. Um, you know, he came along and, and, and rattled the cages of everybody. He absolutely changed uh, the way they watched it. And as you say, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy uh, might have been drawn into the vortex. They've all now admitted uh, that they shouldn't have done it, that they, they fiddled with their swings unnecessarily. Uh, I think for DeChambeau, when it's a golf course that is open and has areas wide out near the green where he can afford to miss fairways, uh, he could be a very dangerous player. But I don't think Torrey Pines is made for him. It's more a Brooks uh, Kepka kind, of course. But I, I would like to reiterate that I, I think Torrey Pines, depending on how the USGA has set it up, and with a bit of wind, you know, it's right on the, on the coast, uh, it could be the kind of course that, that Kepka does well at again. Um, uh, so if I, were, if I were to put to a, a group for a bit of a bet, I've got a feeling I'd put Kepke in, but not the Shambo. I also worry about Phil because Phil, I don't know how he won the PGA because he has a reputation for hitting one or two off the off the globe, but he didn't do it there. And uh, and and he has found a, a piece of momentum that is phenomenal. You know, uh, as we said, Louis Wistes is such a fine striker. You know that that he'll keep the ball in play and do well. And then you know Rory McIlroy, I think. Uh, on his day, if they all play well on the same day, on the same tournament, 
that, that McElroy might still be the best. But there's another one who's putting his testing down all the time. Uh, but I, I, I can't wait. You know, the, uh, the US Open as, as a sort of a different thing as well. It has different commentators. Uh, and, and just between you and I, the, the, the regular American commentators, uh, some of them make the game almost un, unwatchable. You've got to turn the sound off. Um, so, so depending who they have there, I know they've had Curtis Strange in the past, uh, you know, back-to-back winner of the US Open. Uh, so, so the whole package and, and, and the views on the golf course are just going to be phenomenal. And then, of course, sadly, Tiger won't, won't be there. But uh, I wonder if they might not ask Tiger to make an appearance. Because Tiger, you know, won the only US Open at uh, Torrey Pines in the playoff. And he's won eight times at Torrey Pines. So, uh, you know, uh, maybe make a ceremonial appearance in black slacks and a red shirt. It would be great to see. I, I, I'd love to see it. And, and just on that subject with Tiger Woods winning uh, back in 2008, Mike, with that playoff, again, it's a major where if you tired after that Sunday, we'll see you again tomorrow for a whole 18 more holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, I, think, I think Dan is spot on the money with, uh, with uh, Brooks because Torrey Pines and obviously a US Open there seems to quite favour golfers with dodgy knees. So, uh, I mean, Woods <laughs> won it in 2008 with a broken knee, so Brooks might be hot on the money for this one as well. Um, but yes, you know, my experience of that was 2001 US Open in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tulsa being much like Bloemfontein, except with an accent and different license plates. And uh, it's, it was, you know, Southern Hills. And, uh, and I was the only South African journalist. I'd taken a massive flyer. I was with uh, MWP at that stage, managed to convince him to send me to go and cover the, uh, the US Open. And uh, only SA Journal there. And uh, a guy who was a, a really good European tour player at that stage and uh, nothing more. Um, suddenly came through and uh, and uh, won the U.S. Open on Monday. <laughs> Ridiculous, and nobody saw him coming. And uh, but that Sunday, of course, missed that putt. And uh, my wife had come with me, and we booked a trip. We were already going to get in a car that Monday and go and travel the rest of the states. And of course, had to dash to the airport get the hire car, drive back to the golf course <laughs> for an 18-hole playoff, as you say. So, so it set the trip back by a day, but we were very happy that uh, Goose got that, that US Open. But, yes, yeah, so you, you do come back the next day, and it's a full-on another round for you. So, uh, so, yeah, and then, you know, just following on from what Dan said about, you know, commentators, um, you know, I think, I think we, can, we can really be so, so grateful. You know, Trevor Immelman has just been fantastic in, in commentary as well and the insight that he brings. And, 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 you know, I wonder, I don't know what the broadcast rights are and everything like that, but I wonder if he'd be, he'd be at uh, part of that broadcast because he won that, that 98 um, public links at, at Torrey Pines. So, uh, so um, it, it'd be nice to have his, his views and thoughts as well there. I mean, he's, he's such a great student and puts a lot of work into uh, to what he does in his commentary. I, I, you know, I had a, a fascinating hour-plus-long conversation with Brandel Shamley about Trevor Immelman's commentary, and, um, and, and he, he just respects him highly, and Shamley can be very controversial and outspoken, but also does does the work before any tournament he goes to. And, and, you know, I think Trevor does exactly the same and, and offers something different that you, you want to hear when you, you're watching it. Why do you think, Mike, it is that Torrey Pines is only hosting its second ever major? Such a famed course. It's uh, very prominent on the PGA. Yet uh, 
Yeah, we're only seeing it for the second time for one of the big four. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's the the municipal background. I don't know if it's um, you know you don't know what goes into you know whether it's set up, whether it's you know I, I you know I, I really I wouldn't be able to to say why why they haven't been there more often. Um, you know, it, it, it's such a it's such a great venue. I think it's a you know I, I love the course. I love I love the way it sets up. Um, so, so yeah, I've, I've, I actually don't know why they wouldn't have gone there more often. Yeah, and it used to be the home of the Buick Classics and yeah. it was a regular on the tour, and then it obviously became the Farmers. And it might well be that uh, it, it, it was on the roster, it was always there as a tournament. And you have to apply to stage a USGA, and then they come and have a look at your course. There is a view that uh, of the South Course, which is the main course, uh, there are some weak holes, you know, that it, it's, it, perception of the course is this beautiful seaside course. Mm. But when you move away from the cliffs, uh, it is not uh, it is not 18 holes of purgatory the whole way, you know. So that, that might well be a, a reason as well, that the USGA for a long while felt that it wasn't up to the standard of the kind of course they want. Uh, one thing going into US Open they've always got to watch is the USGA, you know, that they – Every now and again, they get it wrong. They they trick up the golf course. They get the rough too long. They make the greens too fast, um, and the PGA goes into an absolute um, tailspin about that because <laughs> it's it's a USGA event, not a PGA event. But just recently, the PGA have, have had some some more uh, control over it. Um, but you remember when uh, when when D- Dustin Johnson won, there was that odd ruling where they interrupted him on the golf course, and they. Constantly uh, at Shinnecock Hills, lost control of the greens when Tiff Wilson, when he second, second, they said the greens were almost unputtable. So I just hope they don't fiddle too much with the golf course, you know. And because, uh, as they say, we want to um, we want to um, identify the U.S. Open champion, not humiliate him. Uh, and they have been known to do that. Dan, uh, a wonderful book that that you recently released. I absolutely loved it. The Sunshine Boys, the epic story of South Africa, how South Africa's golfers conquered the world. Tell us a bit more. Yeah, it, uh, I have to be honest. I, I was amazed that it hadn't been done before because our golfers are, are just phenomenal. But, you know, uh, we are probably the best little golf nation in the world when you take uh, our, our position on the globe, how far away we are, and how relatively few golfers we have, you know, uh, American states have more golfers than South Africa, but uh, and and I have to uh, put in a disclaimer. I, in the Sunshine Boys, I included the Zimbabweans because they are our boys, and all of them turned pro to play on the Sunshine Tour. But if you consider that uh, South African players have captured twenty-seven major championships, sixteen senior majors, won the World Cup five times, the Daniel Cup twice. Uh, and the golfers from from here have 126 US PGA titles, 188 European Tour titles, and we have five: Bobby Locke, Gary Player, Nick Price, Ernie Els, and Retief Hoerson in the World Golf Hall of Fame. That is simply phenomenal for a country of about 450,000 golfers. And we all we all know the reasons: it's our weather, uh, uh, our, our superb golf courses, uh, great tests. And our junior, uh, our, our junior programs, which really encourage uh, kids to play and they get good coaching. And then we've been very fortunate that ever since Bobby Locke 
followed by player else, Sally Little, Ernie else, person. There's been somebody who's been out there uh, blazing a trail. Uh, so there's been a great example for our youngsters to follow. Um, and but we're now on the cusp. We we uh, we now ne- need our next major winner. You know, um, uh, I'm going to shock you guys because. Nobody realizes that our last major was, in fact, 2012. I remember that. Yeah, geez. Yeah. And, and, and that's the last one, that British Open at Royal Lytham. And, and remember, uh, so when, remember when, when, I mean, that was on the back of like a plethora of, of major winners because um, yes. Trevor Immelman started the run mm-hmm. back in 2008 and then we went over to Louis, then the Charles, list. and then Louis just missed out again in the green jacket. And then we had Ernie. Yeah. And then suddenly, yeah. it's, just, it's just been a, a famine. Yeah, so since lock, it, it is easily the longest period we've gone without having a major champion. You know, uh, And I did include Sally Little. Let's not forget Sally Little. Uh, she was far and away, is far and away, South Africa's best uh, woman golfer. She's an outstanding player. But, they, you know, we've got guys are there. I, when I completed the Sunshine Boys, uh, I checked for the European Tour, and they said the 150th win by a South African on the European tour was the 2019 Scandinavian Invitational. Uh, and then since then, you know, it's, there's been George Kutsia, Gary Higo, Christian Besaidner twice in a row, Justin Harding, Dani Fontonda, back-to-back weeks in Kenya, Gary Higo again, you know, um, and, and when we were in the Canary Islands now, uh, we absolutely dominated. So, uh, and the next one, Dean Burmester, who you know is an unbelievably good player, uh, who also hits at miles. You know, so so, and then and then bubbling under is our amateurs at the moment. Christian Mars, uh, uh, Jaden Shaper. There are just so many um, uh, that are just waiting to break through, um, and one of them is going to do it. You know that uh, if, if history is anything to go by, uh, the next beacon on the road is about to come. Oh, well, it, it's such a wonderful book, and congratulations on writing it. You know, you know what I really, really love about it is the size. It's a big, meaty <laughs> tome, and you know that you're in for a great read when you sit down and you open it up. And uh, yeah, if if you haven't had your hands on it, make sure to get it. Uh, available pretty much everywhere. Hey, Dan. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's in all the shops now. The the pro shops have it as well. And you, uh, I'm very chuffed to say that. Uh, it took a while, but if you Google it now, it, uh, it comes up um, and you can order it. Uh, and I've even got into a situation now where people want one signed. They contact me directly and I inscribe it and get it off to them. Um, and it's, it's, it's been a wonderful thing to do. It was fabulous in the lockdown. Um, and, you know, thanks to my sponsor, Mr. Johan Rupert, it, it, it came up, up as a grand book, you know, not, not just – any old record, yeah. really. I, I'm very proud of it, and it's beautifully done, and uh, it's well worth having. <laughs> we, 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 we're definitely going to give one away, and uh, we'll, we'll get a copy. And if we can get you to yeah. sign it, Dan, we'd really appreciate it. I know that would be a pleasure and an honor. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Gents, it's been so, so great having you on the show. Uh, check it out, the Sunshine Boys from Dan Retiff. We'll be giving one away as well. Mike, continue to do the wonderful work that you do in media and as, uh, as of course, uh, on the Sunshine Tour. And, yeah, we will catch up with you very, very soon and enjoy the US Open. I'm Yaku Prinsler, and you're listening to Radio Golf with Derek and Tyron. Of course, we get to experience a lot of golf 
around South Africa, especially around Johannesburg, but we decided to cross the Yuxke and we visited a magnificent course, arguably one of the prettiest I've ever had the pleasure to play on, Silver Lakes over in Pretoria. Wow, what a round, what a place. And uh, yeah, very grateful to have on the line uh, Brendan van Neverhazen, who is the GM of Silver Lakes. Brendan, welcome to the show. And what a course you have over at Silver Lakes. No, thank you. Thank you for the honor. And then thanks for visiting us. Um, your introduction to the course is quite phenomenal. So I think that's how our members experience it as well. Yeah, thank you. But it's it's all true. I mean, I... I put on Twitter, actually, but once I had uh, been given the invite from you guys, thank you very much for that, that uh, we're going to go play. And uh, I said, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. I hear that the the name truly lives up to the name and the fact that Silver Lakes, it's surrounded by these huge bodies of water that glimmer in the sunshine. And that is exactly what it turned out to be. Uh, It's picturesque. I've spoken about that. It's difficult. But yeah, there is a lot of water around. Yeah, 14 of our 18 holes got water, so um, you're not going to miss it. So the main thing is not to bash driver on all the on all the holes, play strategically. So it's quite a nice challenge for any type of golfer to um, experience a golf course, especially if you're a tour player. Um, you, you 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 test your skills, and if you're an amateur or a beginner, you can all also test your skills and experience the scenery. And if you play strategically, you'll still score a good round. Yeah, I definitely don't fill a fit into the pro category. I, I'm very much in the amateur slash beginner range. And I was actually surprised by the turn because we started on the back nine. And, and by the turn, we, I hadn't lost too many balls, which I was quite uh, impressed with myself with. Uh, it, it changed around a little bit uh, on the front nine. But that being said, I think it's, it's the back nine where, where you see most of the water. Yeah, it's quite an interesting fact. For the for our men members, the back nine is the most difficult side. And for the lady members, the front nine is the most difficult side. And that's purely due to the distances of 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 of, of how the course is, is is designed by Peter Matkovich. Um as mentioned as well in a in a couple of letters, you'll see the designer did think out of the box when he designed the golf course. Unfortunately, our first hole is playing into the sun, but that's the reason why he designed it for the prevailing wind to catch all the holes. So it makes it just a slightly touch difficult for um, or challenging for, for, for the players out there when, when we do have a gust or two. And talk us through the famous floating fairway. The 14th. Yes. Um, I must say not my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> but I lose a lot of golf balls, that's why. Um, that's that's a special hole for um, for the designer. I think it's not a lot in the country that have an island fairway, as we call it. Um, it took a lot of construction to get that completed. Um, but yeah, we've got two split fairways, one in the middle of the water and one just on the left-hand side. So that's the safest play. But if, you, uh, if you're a risk and reward player, you go for the island fairway and you had a mid-long iron into the green. Otherwise, if you play left, you play strategically, it becomes a three-shot par five. But what a phenomenal design. If you're on the island fairway, it feels like you're surrounded by water and you're in Mauritius or somewhere special in the world. So, yeah, that's a, that's just a great, awesome hole. You know what? To say that, though, even just arriving at Silver Lakes, uh, overlooking the patting green and uh, having a look around, it, it did feel like I was somewhere foreign. 
Uh, I, it, it had a very PGA feel to it, uh, in my mind. Water everywhere, uh, a couple of palm trees it looked like. And, and you speak about that floating fairway on the 14th. So it was myself, Ty, uh, our good friend Darren Brahm, the bald eagle, and the bearded golfer, the hairy golfer, Hank. And, and Darren is undoubtedly the best of, of the four of us as far as players go. And, and we granted him a mulligan if you'd go for that floating fairway. And, and he tried, and fortunately hit it right, and uh, he didn't get on. But, man, we're, we're so disappointed because the other three of us were, were definitely not going to make it. So we're, we're really keen to go and experience what it was like to be on that floating fairway. Uh, but we missed that opportunity. But there's, what would you highlight as the signature hole of Silver Lakes? It's definitely the 13th. Um, it's a it's a it's a shortage par three uh, par three. We can we can stretch it up to about 190 meters, but um, that's not the goal to play that hole. It's a nice L big shape um, um, tee box where you have to cross the water towards the green. It's got nicely protected bunkers, three of them, two on the left, one on the right, and um, yeah, that's just a phenomenal golf hole when you stand on it. it it's like a a a, a tour golf. A golf hole when you play it it's like the, the what do you call it the stadium hole when 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 you're on that hole it's just one massive tee box and water in front of you and you have to aim correctly to get to the green and that's our feature hole on the golf course and another beautiful hole which i thoroughly enjoyed in terms of being picturesque and, and having that stadium feel was the ninth because as mentioned we played uh, the, 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 the 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 back nine first so we finished on the ninth and you come through and there again you've got an island green you've got the clubhouse overlooking it you've got water everywhere uh, yeah it, it doesn't really get better yeah I must say our bathrooms are, are also um, it's, it's got it, it got different features and hole if you take hole number three it's just surrounded with bunkers um, you can't miss the green, otherwise you're in a bunker. Then you go to hole nine, surrounded by water. Hole 13, our feature hole with a small little island bang in the middle. Um, and then you go to 16, that gives you that Bushveld estate mm. um, or Bushveld look where it's just this long felt grasses and you have to cross a little bit of water and you go through a ditch and onto this nice big green. So I think all four of our par threes are actually a signature hole at Silver Lakes, but all four phenomenal golf golf holes yeah i definitely concur and the other thing is uh, that definitely plays a role we played on a we had an early tee off i think we teed off uh, just after seven and it was a pretty cold day but uh, it was also a fairly windy day and i didn't mind it i actually enjoy the wind i'm from pe so it does uh, make things uh, a lot more challenging and it's almost as if wind certainly plays a feature on, on certain holes. Uh, again, I don't know. I've only played it once. So I don't know if, if wind is a fairly common occurrence there, but it definitely played a role and it, it made things a lot tougher. Yeah, that's our only protected mechanism. If, if, if you look at our length of the golf course, there's a couple of courses in our country that's much longer than Silver Lakes. As I mentioned, Peter did took um, the wind and the design in consideration on what side the wind is coming from um, on a regular basis. So you can catch it on a good day where you can play three or four holes with the wind, but 90% you're going to play um, our holes into the wind. Yeah, man, I tell you what, it was a challenge and a half. 
water everywhere, wind uh, gassing throughout, uh, but take nothing away. It is an absolutely stunning course. I was blown away. Uh, I knew I was going to find something pretty special, but uh, nowhere in my mind did I uh, expect to see what I saw. Congratulations to you and your team on putting on uh, a phenomenal job on on a, on a great, great course. It really is beautiful. Uh, but I don't want to be the only one that gets to experience it or, or the folks and the members and, and, and Ty and the bald eagle and the hairy golfer. How about we, we give an opportunity to some of our listeners to experience Silver Lakes? Any chance of uh, giving away a four ball, Brendan? With pleasure. I will definitely grant you guys with a four ball and two cots. So if you get a lucky winner, come and experience our golf course. Um, Send me the email and we'll definitely um, make sure you have a world-class experience at Silver Lakes. Oh, world-class indeed it is. Brendan, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. We'll sort out the admin from our side with the prizes and we'll definitely be back. Uh, one more thing in terms of people that do play on it. Uh, of course, you, you mentioned pros. Uh, you are home to, to a couple of pros as well. Yeah, we're fortunate with the number of pros that um, we call our ambassadors. We've got Sean Norris, that's in the top 100. George Coutier, that's in the top 100. Louis Diacher, that's on the edge of the top 100. And then we've got regular visitors that come and play us like Brandon Stone, Christian Besaidenout, when they're in the country. So, yeah, we're quite fortunate of, of, of those players playing. And then not the least, Keith Horn. He comes here on a regular basis as well. And we just get good comments because they love our greens, firm and fast. And then obviously the challenge, like I mentioned. Yeah, jeez. Well, uh, Sean, obviously doing wonderful things over in Japan. And uh, yeah, you can expect him to do wonderful things over at Silver Lakes, as indeed uh, the other pros would do too. Uh, wonderful course, beautiful place. Go and play Silver Lakes. You will not be disappointed. Thank you so much, Brendan. We'll catch up soon. Cheers. Hey, this is Thomas Sapp, Commissioner of the Sunshine Tour. And you're listening to Raider Golf with Derek and Ty. Welcome back to Raider Golf. Uh, a new feature on the show. We're going to be dealing with a, a bit of merchandise. And, of course, uh, what better place to head than uh, Golfers Club. And on the line, great to have on board, we've got Jason Rowe, who is uh, one of the owners of Golfers Club. And, Jason, I can imagine on the eve of a major and straight after South African has shot the lights out over at the, the, the PGA, uh, business is booming. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you, Derek. I mean, obviously it helps that, you know, South African boys are playing so well. Um, and, and, you know, there is a lot of interest around, uh, around the, the majors, especially, you know, your golfing groups are all having a bet who they think is going to win. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, golf's in a very good space at the moment. Thank goodness. Yeah, it is. I mean, this entire show, we've been speaking about how healthy golf is in, is in the country. Yeah. And, and it, yeah. it just doesn't get better. And then you get the likes of Gary Hiku doing so well over at Congaree. Yes. And, and, and guys just flying the flag just behind him, the likes of Wilco, etc. And I'm sure, sure you get guys coming in saying, man, I, I saw Wilco drive the ball 350, 360, 370 last night. Uh, <laughs> I want to do that yeah. too. What do I need? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, we, we, as I say, we always we sell golf equipment here, not talent. But I, I can tell you, we do give the guys hope. You know, we put them into the nets and give them a fitting. Uh, we can certainly help them with the same equipment that the that guys like Eric and the guys are using on tour. You know, uh, and it is very, very much driven by the tour. You know, in terms of titleist being, uh, you know, with Garrick, a lot of the guys hold on two seconds. 
Mangini's second. Sorry. Uh, sorry, guys. I'm on the retail floor here and it's a bit loud. No, that's um, great. Uh, I'm just saying to you that um, that, that, that uh, we, we have a, a large number of guys that follow their own players. You know, so, so a lot of guys like to be like Rory or like Dustin. And uh, we have, you know, Taylor made is strong there. And then uh, obviously we have uh, Garrick using Titleist. And, you know, you have the guys that are, that are very brand uh, loyal, if you know what I mean. Yeah, completely. Tell us yeah. about uh, some of the great specials that uh, some buyers can find over the course of the next couple of days over at Golfers Club. Yeah, you know we've got. Um, it's been it's been quite chilly, you know, all around the country, and uh, we're having some some really good deals on on puffer jackets, you know, golfing puffers and uh, you know windbreakers and 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 and, and you know, a base layer. So you know the guys are loading up on the weekends uh, when they're playing golf. They they uh, certainly diving into the warm stuff to keep them, uh, you know. Uh, nice and warm on the golf course. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I always get slated yeah. uh, by my playing partners because uh, I'm always in shorts. The other day we played over at Silver Lakes and I think our tee off was uh, just after seven o'clock over in Pretoria. And uh, I arrived Oof. there with in my shorts and a thin little jersey. I don't feel Nothing. the cold that much. I'm actually okay. And I was surrounded by Eskimos and they're absolutely blown away about wh- what I was wearing. <laughs> Yeah, no. Listen, I don't know how you do it. I promise you, I can't stand the I can't stand the cold. But I mean, we've got we've got every single item from beanies to you know to to um, uh, uh, winter mitts. We've got base layers. We've got uh, you know uh, underlayers, overlayers. We've got th- you know we've got we've got the puffers. So certainly from a you know a, from an equipment and apparel point of view, the guys are covered if they want to stay warm on the course. What is the most popular item that you have at the moment? What is really flying off the racks? You know, surprisingly, uh, you know, when when uh, you won't believe it, I promise you, a lot of guys, sadly, you know, they don't like anybody touching their equipment with COVID. I mean, you get some guys that are fanatical about it. And uh, interesting enough, we've, uh, the, one of the top selling items are caddy carts, you know, push carts. Mm. Uh, we, we've sold, we'll sell well over a thousand um, uh, push carts where guys, uh, you know, uh, just they, they want to handle their own equipment. They don't want anybody touching it. So they'll, they'll push their own cart. They don't want to use driving carts. You know, they still guys, obviously the, the guys enjoy having a caddy. So I think the caddy's jobs are safe, but there's certainly a lot of guys that just like to, you know, they could, I want to carry the bag, but we, we sold an enormous amount of caddy carts, believe it or not. Yeah, I, I can completely understand. I've, I've actually stolen my co-host's caddy cart time and I haven't given it back. But uh, eventually when I do, yes. I'll be, be heading over to, to Golfers Club. And, and just a reminder quickly, yeah. uh, how many stores you have around the country and uh, yeah, pretty much open almost 24-7 uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> we, during you know, golfing our, hours? Our online, our, our online shop is open 24-7. So you know, if you can't sleep, you can, you can do some shopping in the evenings. But uh, we've, got, we've got seven stores at the moment um, and they are... Um, you know, they're, they're all in the major centers. We've got, we've got in the golfing hub of George and we've got in um, Schlanger, we've got um, West Rand, Four Ways, Edenvale, Pretoria and, and in Canal Walk in Cape Town. Uh, it, it's a fabulous, fabulous store. You can be there for hours, if not days. I know Father's Day is yeah. coming up, so it's the, the perfect spot to, to do a bit of shopping. So ladies, if you are listening, you. head over to, to Golfers Club and uh, we'll be giving one uh, lucky listener uh, a chance to do exactly that. Thanks very much, Grant. I know that you're offering a 500 rand voucher to go and spend over at Golfers Club. We'll be putting that towards our golf champs competition so that's the online competition where you go and uh, and select four players that uh, the ranking is 100 or more in total i can guarantee you everyone will have Gary Kiku uh, selected uh, in their four 
And uh, that's for this weekend's US Open. Uh, so head over to Golf Champs and the Raider Golf one. And uh, whoever wins that one will come away with a, a 500 Rand voucher to go spend at your store. Yeah, absolutely. Very, um, very excited to be part of the show. And uh, hopefully uh, one lucky winner can, can take that home and come and spend it in, the, in one of our stores. Oh, well, Jason, thank you so much. Uh, I hope uh, you get nice and warm. Uh, remember, you've got a whole bunch <laughs> of beanies to, to use on that side. And uh, yeah, sell plenty yeah. as we head over to Torrey Pines for the next major of the year, the third major of the year. And remember, it is Golfers Club. Head over there all around the country. And uh, they are fantastic. They've got everything you need when it comes to golf. Thanks so much, Jason. Thank you so much, Derek. And good luck to us African boys at the Atari Pines. Hi there, it's Jeff Claus here, CEO of Paradise on Earth, St. Francis Lakes. And you're listening to Raider Golf with Derek and Ty. So a big thank you to Jason from Golfers Club for putting up that 500 Rand voucher, which you can win via the Raider Golf Golf Champs pool. So head over to golfchamps.net, search for Raider Golf, enter the pool, select your four players whose ranking uh, totals 100 or more, and uh, see if you can end up in top spot and uh, win yourself that 500 Rand voucher. But uh, enough about the Raider Golf pool. Uh, let's find out uh, what are the more popular ones uh, taking place over at golfchamps.net. Let's uh, hear a quick word from uh, the man who created it, Cameron McNaughton. Super stoked to have you guys on board again. Fantastic prize. So thank you to the Radar Golf Pool and you guys. From our side, wow. I mean, when it comes to the major Tory Pines, you know, our email inboxes just didn't stop ringing. But a fantastic prizes this week from the likes of St. Francis, Invincible Wine Shop, Strixon, Breezy's, House of Golf, Betway. I think they're just too many prizes for me to actually tell you guys. And I don't want to waste your whole podcast just on that. But I think check out our social media pages and our article pages to find out all the prize details and how, how the users can get involved. And of course, everything's free. So, so get, get involved, you know. As they say, to win the lotto, you've got to buy a ticket. Then, I, in terms of top players, I mean, what we're seeing on the site already is, I don't think it's rocket science. We're seeing a lot of interest in top players like John Ram, Jordan Spieth, um, who've been doing well, Colin Morikawa. And then, of course, you know, our South African hopefuls, always a lot of interest, and especially because of the strong swing on the PGA, Louis, Brandon. But then, of course, our young youngsters, Hego and uh, Wilco. And Wilco being ranked 141st in the world, definitely worth a little look. Definitely worth a little look. I'll tell you my current team. <laughs> Who knows? It may change. It is day one off. I'm known to change it a few times, but I'm looking at Ram. I'm looking at Morikawa. I'm looking at Zonda. He's from the area. And then I'm going to top it up. I have to because those are three strong, high-ranked players. I'll top it off with a Wilco, I think. But who knows? TBC. Would be interesting to know what your guys picks are where you're heading to i think in terms of doing a bit of course research and also tea times for the thursday friday to see what the weather's going to be doing on that side i'm not too sure you know if there's a kind of a, a windy draw or not that can make a difference but i think players not to pick for this week dj his confidence just looks completely shocked 
but that's one who I'd be avoiding as well. And so, yeah, good luck, guys. Thank you so much. And be sure to follow on social media and catch up with the Radar Golf Team to see how we're progressing through the weekend. It's going to be another cracker for sure. So that wraps up the show. Thanks for listening to Raider Golf with uh, myself, Derek Alberts, and Tyron Jabu-Barnard, Grant Hepburn, and a whole host of characters. Best of luck this weekend to the South Africans doing duty at Torrey Pines for the third major of the year, the US Open. Remember to enter golfchamps.net. Look for that Raider Golf pool to stand a chance of winning that 500 rand voucher courtesy of Golfers Club. Good luck. See you soon. Cheers.